0: I'm, I'm pumped. There is a sweetness of the presence of God here in this room this morning. God needs no defenders. But sometimes you have to be loud about him. You'll have to speak about him. You have to tell the old world that you love Jesus and not be ashamed of that. And sometimes you'll have to be a fool for the cause of the Lord. Apostle Paul says, I was a fool for the Lord. In the good old days, the great American evangelist D.L. Moody once wore a hat. And it said, uh, in front of the hat, that it read, I'm a fool for Christ. And on the back of the hat it read, whose fool are you? And so this morning, whose fool are you? I'm a fool for Christ. Jesus Christ is the quintessence of all sweetness. Is the purest joy that you can ever discover? Is the river of pleasure in which you can drown? Is the ultimate joy? Is the perfect peace? It is after Him that you should be running after, forgetting the things of this world that so easily entangles us, and at times we are so lost. In feeding our flesh, that we forget that we have an inner man that longs for a deeper communion with our maker. You see, we are orphans in this universe without connecting to our Father in heaven. And you'll always be an orphan in this universe if you never know how to connect deeply and intimately with the one who fashioned you. So what I'm going to speak to you this morning... His words are from the very presence of God. I do not want to come to you with some persuasiveness of human wisdom. But I do want to pass on to you something about the sweetness of being in the presence of our Lord Jesus. I hope you pick that up. Keep your ears and your spirit man open to the things of God. Book of John chapter 14 if you have your Bibles, turn up to book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verses 19 to 24. You know, back in India, in the church where I grew up, uh, the pastor will come to the uh, stage and he will sing a song. The best book to read is the Bible and all the congregation will join in a in a loud chorus. Yes, the best book to read is the Bible because it guides me and leads me and feeds me. And in America we have gotten so used to technology, it's long gone the tradition of holding the word in our hands. There's something to it in feeling the word. Book of John chapter 14 verses 19 to 24, the Lord is speaking to the disciples and in verse 19 he says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. The ascension of the Lord, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Verse 21, he goes on to say, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me. And He who loves me. Write that down and underline it. And He who loves me. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, He who loves me, the Lord is asking this morning, He who loves me... Will be loved by my Father. What an offer this is. You love Jesus. You will be loved by the Father. And then he goes on to say. And I will love him. And manifest myself to him. Manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judas, not the Iscariot one, said to him. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us. And not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, me and the Father, and we will come to him and make a home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. He who loves me, me and the Father will come and make our abode with him. This morning, the Spirit of God wants to convey something to us. How do we seek the manifest presence of Jesus? God is omnipotent, omnipresent. In many ways, God is all over this universe. He's there. His almighty presence spans the intergalaxies. Beyond what the Voyager or the spacecraft can probe, the presence of God fills this universe. Despite what the skeptics and the scientists are saying. King David cries out in the book of Psalms 139 verse 80 says, If I go to the heavens, there you are, God. If I make my bed in the depths of the sea, even there you are there, God. So in a sense, God is omnipotent, He is omnipresent, He is everywhere. But in another dimension, the same God says, If you really love me, if you're really after me, I'm going to do something extraordinary to you. I'm going to make myself appear to you. I'm going to make myself manifest to you. I'll make your five senses feel me. Experience me, me, and my Father will come and make our abode in you. You look at yourself; uh, you're six foot tall, and you have a heart the size of your fist, and and you're a spirit man. We are a tripartite being—body, soul, and spirit—and we build homes and houses, mansions to live in. And yet, the Creator of this universe, the one which the heavens and the heavens cannot contain Him, He says to us, I and my Father will come and make our abode in you. In you. Think of that. The expanse of God, the hugeness of God, the bigness of God, God was so huge, so mighty, Wants to come and make his abode in you. In this puny little human body. He wants to come and dwell. There's the a verse that says. God dwells in the heavens above. And he also dwells in a broken and a contrite heart. You know. In a broken and a contrite heart. Broken by the, by the things of the world. Broken inside by the many adversities of life. Broken beyond repair. A heart that is broken. A broken heart is what God is looking for because He wants to come and dwell in that heart. And this has astounded me. This has, this has fascinated me. How does this, how does this such a big, massive, humongous God come and dwell in me? I'm a human. I'm a fallen human redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. And God is offering me an invitation that He says, I will come and dwell in you and I will manifest myself to you. And yet that offer stands this morning for all of us. That if you really love God, if you really want God in your life, it is high time that you come out of the closet of your churchianity. It's high time that you come out of warming disputes. It's, it's high time that you come out from all those entanglements in which you are living in. It's high time that you break loose from the things that are temporary in this world. What are you running after? What are you busy in this world? You want to make more money? You want to build of homes? Are you busy building your own life? Don't you have time for God? God is saying, love me. Love me. Come to me. Fall in love with me again. I will come and manifest myself to you. One word from God will change our destiny. One word from God will transform us, change us, will take our roadmap and it will alter us. It will put us on a different trajectory. I want all of us this morning to hear from God. God, show me the way in which I can pursue your manifest presence because all All I need this morning is you. I want you. I want more of you. I want more of you. And the word of God will show us this morning how to pursue him. How to come close to him. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29. From where you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Book of James chapter 8, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And in many ways, God is saying, come close to me and I will come close to you. Pursue me, come over me, come after me. Pursue the things of the spirit world. Because you are a spirit man. This outer casing of your body will be gone someday. And all that you're fighting for and all that you're pursuing for will be gone long dead. It'll go to the ground. But your inner man is the real man. Your spirit man is the real man. Are you really caring about that? Are you so lost that you don't even know that you have an, an inner man? You see, no matter how much we pursue, no matter how much we hoard, no matter how much we how much we fill ourselves with the things of this world, the inner ache of loneliness, the inner ache of emptiness will always stalk you. Outside of God, man has no rest. Outside of the manifest presence of God, you could be sitting in this church for another hundred years and still not feel God, because God's God's zip is not a place. He dwells in the heavens above and in a broken and a contrite heart. You can build cathedrals after cathedrals and you will still see it very empty. The physical building is not the presence of God. It is your inner man. It is your inner man. You could be anywhere in the world and still feel the presence of God. Come with me to China. Come with me to Africa. Come with me to India. People have no buildings. This is opulence for them. And yet, look at their hearts and their lives so full of God. So full of God. I pray that the church in America realizes that and comes hard after God. We have built too many things and have clouded God out of this. Oh, the Spirit of God made reveal to us the heart of God. A.W. Tozer, the great man of God, once said, 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization does not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. Come to think of this, dear brothers and sisters. One hundred religious persons, maybe a thousand, knit into a unity by a careful organization does not constitute the church anymore That in eleven dead men making a football team. You are still dead. You could have all the organization, you could have all the rules, up to the last minute you can plan the day, and still you will be a dead man. Still you're a dead woman. Your inner man is dead. The form of godliness is there, but the power is absent. There is an outer casing of godliness, there is an outer casing of christianness, but the power of God is not there. No wonder... Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 says this. He says, but know this, that in the last days, tough times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Self-love. Too much caught with you. The me. Lovers of money. Lovers of money. Mark that. Boasters. Proud, humanism, man can do it. No, you cannot do it without God. But in the end days you will have such people. Blasphemers, blasphemers, oh to those who blaspheme the name of God. Oh unto those who take the name of God and wane. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. In the last days you will find all these kinds of people. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, what a warning this is from Apostle Paul. Lovers of pleasure of this world rather than lovers of God. Verse 5 is where he clinches. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such turn away and from such Turn away. You can have a form of godliness. You can have all the seminars you want. You can have all the conferences you want. You can do everything you want. You can put up a form of godliness. But deny the power that comes with it. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to walk in the supernatural this morning. You and I need to walk in the domain of the supernatural. Because our God is not a dead God. He is a living God. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Take a trip across the world. And go and sit in the churches. In the places like the underground churches in China. Go places in the world. and. Pro- Participate yourself in the way the peoples of other world are experiencing God. It's a supernatural world. It's a supernatural domain. We are fooling ourselves with the form of godliness, but denying the power. Dozer's heart was a very deeper heart that longed for God in the early days of this great nation. He said, Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire for You, God. I am really ashamed of that. Are You? O God, the triune God, I want to want Thee. I long to be filled with longing for You. I thirst for To be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory. I pray that I may know thee indeed God. Begin in me a new work of love. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. Lord, help me to say, rise up, my soul, and come away. Rise up, my soul, and come away, for the bridegroom waited for us. We've been wandering in this misty lowlands of this earth. A week ago, we celebrated Valentine's Day. Oh, it's a big day for the retail industry. Billions of dollars in business. People want to go out and show their lives. And it's also a day for many singles who get depressed on Valentine's Day because nobody to go out with. But, have you ever considered the greatest Valentine of all, that even Hallmark can... not Hallmark card cannot come up with it. The word of God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's the greatest Valentine for all of us. Jesus is the greatest love, the greatest love that can ever be. How then do we seek after this manifest presence? I am not talking about this omnipresence of God that pervades all of the universe. But in many ways, Jesus says, if you really love me, I will manifest myself to you. I will come close to you. You will you will experience me in ways and means that you have never felt in your life before. All your life you have grown up in this western world. Yeah, you went to church. Yeah, you read the Bible. You are part of this many, many seminars, many Bible studies. But have you really experienced me? Have you really felt me? Have you really come close to the Shekinah glory? To this manifested glory? No, you have not. How do we come to that? How do we come to that? There are many ways. I'm going to put out some ways today. Number one, a recognition and appropriation of the supernatural element of our faith in Jesus. A recognition and appropriation of the supernatural element of Jesus. We in the West, and many of us, are guilty of this. We are awash in a Christian culture, Christian surrounding, that we have forgotten that our faith in Christ Jesus is supernatural. We are accustomed to the ways of the world and of the secular humanistic thinkings. We need to come out of this. Reason and science have been exalted. We need an answer for every questions. Yet we have not learnt the fact that our faith in Christ is supernatural. It belongs to the domain of the supernatural. There could be many a skeptic and many a scientist, many an atheist who comes and debunks this. But there is no debunking of the fact that our faith in Christ is supernatural. It is that deeper element of Christianity, that miraculousness of Christianity. Have you walked in the supernatural? How long has it been since that you've experienced the supernatural presence of Jesus? That this earthly life is meaningless without it. No wonder, Apostle Paul, in the book of Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. He says, I, brothers, when I came to you, I did not come... Please hear these words very carefully. Paul is saying, I did not come with excellence of speech or of the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. They were not. But rather, they were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? In verse 5 he gives the answer. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Wow! Paul, the great man, the great man who sat under the feet of Gamaliel, the man who had the PhD of his own age, of that ancient world, is unmasking something about his own life. He says, look, I haven't come to you with the persuasive words. I haven't come to you with the sophistication of my language. But I come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man. But rather, it should be in the power of God. Paul the Apostle is making a case to us that our faith in Christ is supernatural. And unless we learn to walk in that supernatural pathways of God, we are still going to get a lot of head knowledge. A lot of head knowledge, a lot of our intellectual curiosities are are, are going to be satisfied, but our hearts are going to be so empty. Our hearts are going to be so empty because we are not yet learned to walk in the supernatural. Paul is saying, look, don't be deceived with men who come to you with persuasiveness of the human wisdom. But realize the fact that the faith in Christ Jesus is supernatural. And your life should bear witness to that. Recognize that. In a broader sense, in the West, we have forgotten that tradition. We are very skeptical of those experiences. But that's the way the church has been in the Acts of the Apostles. And that's the way the church is happening around the world. That God is causing such experiences to be characteristic of His church. That people are huddling together, walking long miles, sacrificing all that they have in the pursuit of God. In the pursuit of God. A An recognition and appropriation of the supernatural element of Jesus is very important. Secondly, we have to come back to the first love of Jesus. First love. Oh, that I have to emphasize this. We need to hard, take a hard look at our lives and check to see if you really love the Lord. If you really love the Lord, then you will spend time. Because love means you got to spend time. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Do you have the joy of salvation? Are you delighting in Jesus? Or is iPod your delight? What is your delight? What are you running after? What makes you very happy? Is Jesus? Oh yeah, you've been to church many a times. Do you really have the joy? I am talking about a joy that comes from the presence of God. We need to return to the first love. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. I count everything as loss. Compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul is saying, look for the sake of Jesus. I have suffered a lot. And I count everything as loss and rubbish. Hey, you need to stand up and be a bold witness to Jesus. And not be ashamed of that. You need to stand up and say, Jesus is all for me. I love him. Yeah, you may sound as very obnoxious to people. You may sound ridiculous to people. But Paul says, consider those comments as rubbish. Consider those critics as garbage. You know why? There's nothing in the world that can be ever compared to the surpassing value and excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul continues to say that I may know Him, that I may know Him. A man who has written so many epistles, a man who has had so many revelations from God, still his heart and his composure, he says, that I may know Him. Oh, what a heart. Oh, what a heart. We think we have arrived. We haven't even started the journey yet. We haven't even started the journey yet. You know Him upon your knees. When you bend your knees in the presence of God. You know Him when you take your time out and consider the other appointments on your calendar. Not so important. Because right now, you need God. You need Him. You need Him. Book of Revelations, chapter 2. The Word of God comes to the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. This thing says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And the Lord is saying, I know your works, church. Why is that a free church? I know your work. I know your labor. I've known your patience. I know you cannot bear those who are evil. I know you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. We are very good in our critiques and analysis. And have found them liars. And verse 3 the Lord says, And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. And yet, verse 4, And yet, nevertheless, I have this against you. What is it, Lord, that you have against me? It's a dreaded thing to hear that word from the Lord. You know, we often toss out the good things first and then we say, well, but, but. And the Lord is saying, I know you've been on many mission trips. I know you have done a lot in my field. I know you're a very church goer. I know you go to every seminars. I know you spend a lot of money doing this and doing that. I think you're really a busy man for me. I know that. I know you expended a lot of your energy. I know that very well. I I keep account of all that. I'm a good bookkeeper. I've seen it. You know what? But I've got one thing against you. What is it? You have left your first love. Oh, is that right? I have left my first love. Yes, you have left your first love. None of the other things matter to me more than this. Come back to me. I want you to want me. That's a little deeper. Think on that. I want you to want me. I want you to long for me. I want you to thirst for me. I want you to hunger for me. I really want you to fall in love with me. I really, I mean, I'm serious about this. I really want you to consider me as your first love. I know you're married. I know you have kids. I know you have many, many human loves. But I really want you to love me first. Would you? Can you? Could you put me in first in your life? What would that look like? Hey, that would look like, you, you, you're going to take a lot of things out of your calendar. That's going, to talk, that's going to cost you a lot. It's going to mean you're going to suffer a lot. It's going to mean you're going to rearrange your priorities. It's going to mean you're going to come out of your fake fake godliness, external coverage. And you're going to come clean from your heart. And you're going to say to the Lord, I really want to fall in love with you, God. I don't understand this. Would you help me? I really don't understand this, but I'm open to it. Oh, that, that heart God likes. That kind of a heart God likes. God wants us. You know why? Because He made you and me first and foremost for Himself. When He made Adam, He made him for Himself. That's why in the Word of God it says, even though a mother may forget her child, you know, we glorify the love of a mother for a child. Even the world, even our court systems recognize when a divorce happens, the custody is for the woman because they believe that a mother can care for the child. And the Lord says, even if your mother were to leave you. And guess me, she will. I will not. The love of God is profoundly deeper than all the romances that you can ever Conjure up in your mind. This spirit man that God made inside of you, this soul that God created inside of you, this body that he fashioned. You know, God made everything in his spoken word. He said, Let there be stars in the stars where there. One scientist in uh, NASA says There are so many stars in this universe. If you were to sit and count them, you would be sitting here for the next 50 billion years and not done with it. He would be sitting here and counting it for the next 50 billion years and not be done with it. Oh, that's, that doesn't even register in my mind. And yet, when he came to Adam, he didn't say, let there be Adam, did he? No, he took his own hands took a lump of clay fashioned a mysterious human creature and breathed his very breath into his nostrils he has invested himself into you and that's why you cannot waste your life that's why you cannot despise your life that's why you cannot put your life in the wrong direction. He has invested His very breath in your nostrils. You're living and breathing right now only because God has skipped you that way. He could snap you out like that and be gone. None of our signs can ever help us out. Oh, no wonder God says, come back, because I made you. I fashioned you for me. And you're going to be only happy in me. yes. I have given you a lot of things in this world, but I want you to really fall in love with me. Count me very close to you. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist, was once asked, uh, when you go to heaven, who do you want to see first? Many of us would immediately say, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Abraham. I want to see Paul. Everything good. C.S. Lewis had a very interesting answer. He says, uh, I want to see Adam, the first man how he looks. Because in that prototype, I was made. And Lewis goes on to say this. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinks and sex and, and ambitions. We are fooling ourselves with drinks and sex and ambitions of this world when infinite joy is offered us, to us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making little mud pies in a slum because the child cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. And yet with all the drinks, yet with all the things of the world, yet with all the food and the clothing and all of that, still, when you go back to bed in the night, you're so empty. Oh, I'm so empty. Oh, my heart is so empty. Why am I like this? You haven't really fallen in love with the one who made you. Thirdly, you come back and experience The manifest presence of Christ through much travailing prayer and fasting. Oh, the spiritual discipline of fasting is such an absent jewel in the church today. Oh, we've got so much of time to do many things. But when you call for a prayer, forget fasting prayer, just prayer. The audience is always very less. And yet, God in his supernatural ways and means, he has orchestrated prayer and fasting to be the only means and ways of coming to closer experience. Christ himself fasted 40 days. The early apostles fasted. And what is very amazing is, In many parts of the world, in many third world countries and developing countries, where the economy and the recession, you know in America, recessions come and recessions go. But in other parts of the world, recession is the way of life. Recession is the way of life. And yet, with the absence of all the material wealth And food and all that this body needs. Yet there are millions of people who would give up anything for the cause of the Lord. And would sit for hours in the presence of the Lord. And much prayer and fasting and seeking after the things of the Lord. When you fast, you're humbling your soul. You're saying to God, oh God, right now, I, I don't need this food. I, I know if I'm, I, I can eat and be happy and nice. Oh Lord, I just want to keep this away for now. I just want this time exclusively for you and for me. I just want to humble myself in your presence. I want to seek the things that you have for me. I want to seek you and your face, oh God. May God grant us that. May God grant us that yearning to go on that kind of a lifestyle. Where you seek the Lord through much prayer and fasting. There is no other shortcut to experiencing the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. You could get all the degrees you want. But you can never come closer to the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. If you're not in the way God has orchestrated it. It is through much prayer. It is through much travailing in prayer. It is through much humbling of this body that we come to God and say, God, you are more important to me right now. Not even my food, or not even my drink. I just want to go away from all these things and I want to just be in your presence. Would you speak to me? Would you fill me? Would you put your hand upon me? Doesn't the word of God say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the every word of God? Didn't Jesus perspire as he fasted? Didn't the apostle Paul go through so much of suffering and days without food? And why do we turn away from such spiritual disciplines? Ladies and gentlemen, we will never be able to experience a breakthrough in our lives. We will have all these fantastic fancy buildings and all of that. But yet, we will be the greatest losers because God will not be there. God will not be there. You can go to Europe today and find some of the greatest cathedrals soaring high into the sky. And yet, as you walk in, Oh, what an emptiness. Oh, what an emptiness. Hardly people inside of it. I have recognized and I, I even read one particular cathedral in Europe has been so vacant but it looks so gorgeous that the cathedral is now a Starbucks coffee. Nobody's going in. But the architecture is great. It's marble floored. But the word of God says, I dwell in the heavens above, and I also dwell in a broken and a contrite heart. But go to China with me to the underground church. Go to Iran and the underground church. And you can see people simply, simply congregating there, and there's no space. Oh, there's no space to sit. I gotta elbow each other. It's perspiring. There's no air conditioning inside. It's hard, but yet the heart is longing for God. Yet the heart is longing for God. God is going to move as we draw to him with much travailing prayer, with much fasting, as we seek his presence. The manifest presence of the Lord will come. He will come. He cannot resist a soul who is so passionately seeking after him. May it be a prayer for all of us. God, would you lead me that way? I have been fasted before. I really want to. I don't even know how to do it. Help me. Guide me. Show me how to do it. And the Lord will answer those calls. You know, there's no other way. There's no other way. We can come up with different ways of knowing God. But there's no other way to knowing the manifest presence of God. Unless we come to Him. But the early church was all about that. Joel chapter 2 verse 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. America is today at a stage where you'll have to really weep and fast and cry to the Lord. To change the trajectory of our nation, to change the trajectory of our church. To change the trajectory of your own individual life. That you may pursue the things that are eternal. The great Scottish revivalist. John Knox. Used to pray a very mighty prayer. He would get up in the morning and say to God. Oh God. Would you. Would you imprint on my eyes. Eternal things. That I, when I wake up every morning, I may live my life through an eternal lens and not with a temporary lens. Because you have made me an eternal being. And you have caused me to be born into a kingdom that is forever and ever. You have called me into a different kingdom. We are a peculiar people, a peculiar nation, a royal priesthood. Our ways and doings are different from the things of the world. And for all this, our Lord Jesus left that wonderful place where he sat with the Father and he came down and he suffered for us. He bled for us. He shed his tears for us. He was broken and bruised for us. He broke his body and his blood was shed for the church and we can't even sweat a little for him. Think about that. We are riding on the blessings of our forefathers in this great nation. What have you personally, individually experiencing God? Finally, you come back to this experience of the manifest presence of God through a deeper hunger, a constant hunger. For the word of God. Feeding on the word of God. Drinking and eating the word of God. Because they, they taste sweeter than honey. This is not just Bible knowledge. You can have all the Bible knowledge in the world. It will just fill your head. You can get all the Bible knowledge in the world. And still be extremely empty in your spirit. It is the feasting on the living word. In the Old Testament, when the people of Israelites called out to God in hunger, God said, I'm going to send you food. It's going kind to of be different food. He sent manna from heaven. And when they ate that food, they were refreshed. These were angelic food that came from the very presence of God. And as the people ate that food, they were refreshed. And in the New Testament, the Lord himself is our manna. Have you feasted on him? Come and partake of me, says the Lord. Drink of me. When we take the Holy Communion, we're partaking the body. We're drinking His blood. We have to feast on the Word of God. The Bible has to become really new for you. A story is told about a Chinese brother by the name of Yun. His story is actually written in a book called The Heavenly Man. I'm sure some of you must have seen the book. It's called The Heavenly Man. It tells about a story, Yun, Y U N Yun, was a village boy. Very young in his growing up years, as a teenager, he longed to know God and always thirsted for a for a copy of a Bible. And in that particular village in China, as you well know, the communist nations are stuffed to snake in Bibles, and yet in that particular village There was no Bibles. But Yun was so longing for Scripture. And at the same time, he was battling poverty. There was no physical food to eat. And yet this inner man was thirsting for the Word of God. One night, he's so desperate for the Word of God. He's so desperate, he says, I would rather starve, but God, would you give me some of your Scriptures, your Word? It's been a long time having seen a Scripture in the Bible. And Yun has a dream. And in the dream he sees two older men. They are walking in this village with a cart full of bread. And they invite Yun to come. And they offer him a fresh bread. Yun takes it, pulls a piece out of that fresh bread, puts it into his mouth. And immediately the bread changes into a Bible and goes inside his throat. It's a different experience. That morning, 3 o'clock, there's a knock on Yun's door. And he opens the door and sees the two gentlemen that he saw in the dream. And they gave him a copy of the Bible. Mysterious. The hunger and thirst for the Word of God is so literal in some parts of the world, it will blow your minds in the way God meets that. And yet, in America... There is so much of the word of God. Our churches are filled with it. Not just one version. We have hundreds of versions. And yet, to hold this precious word and to love it, cherish it, it, is so hard for many people. We need to come back to this. Feast on this. The heavenly manna, the Lord himself. He is my meat. He is my drink. I want to drink of you, Lord. I want to eat of you, Lord. Would you give me a new start? Would you give me a new start? I'm sick and tired of this religious life. I'm sick and tired of my churchianity. I'm sick and tired of all that I've been doing so far. Because I've not fallen in love with you. I've not experienced you in a deeper way. But I want you. I really need you. I tell you what without God you will always be an empty man an empty woman and may God this morning as you have heard the words of God may those words go into your spirit man your spirit man is very important to you all of us the real person is inside of you that's the real person that you really have to pay attention to and may you cry out to God I really want to love you God, give me a heart, give me a mind, give me a thirst, inject in me a longing for you. Because this cannot come in our flesh, it has to only come from Him. So a posture of repentance, a posture of seeking will please the heart of the Lord, and the Lord will grant you a desire to want Him. Grant you a desire to long for him. Even that has to come from God. But all that he wants us is to intentionally ask him and cry out to him. That's the real, authentic, supernatural Christian life. And that's the invitation the Lord has in store for us this morning. If you love me, I will love you. And I will come and make my abode with you. May the Lord grant us that grace. Amen.